When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A win against Kentucky, and it was not easy. Here we go with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Oak Sports. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Well, if you take this Tennessee team for what it is, I think you should be very pleased with the victory tonight. The big rap is now Tennessee beats Kentucky. We'll get into the hows and whys and what it means. And it's brought to you by Harold Group Security Solutions. Tell you more about them in just a moment. But go ahead and get on board. Hit the like button and hit the subscribe button button as well because we're talking about a Tennessee win against Kentucky Kentucky with an off week Tennessee trying to bounce back from a devastating second half to Alabama and Caleb back in the day this would be viewed as Tennessee playing down to their competition but Kentucky has been a much better program over the years Tennessee coming off a heartbreaking loss the Vols never trailed So when you take everything into account, I give Tennessee a big kudos for the way they handled their business in the Commonwealth. How about you? And then we'll go to the message board. I give them a major kudos. The game, honestly, it felt, and you're going to laugh when I say this, it felt like, for those who remember the 1998 National Championship game, in the sense that the score was 33-27, to but... Watching the game start to finish, it just felt like Tennessee was in control the whole time. It felt like they dominated, and you just you were kind of questioning how Kentucky was keeping it so close, honestly. Now, there were a couple of reasons, a couple of drive-killing penalties, settling for field goals, maybe hype of playing too conservative at the end of the first half. But overall, I watched that game, and I, I, I came away thinking that if it wasn't for Devin Leary, Tennessee is winning that game 33-10, to 10, not 33-27. to 27. I didn't think it was as one-sided quite as that, but I do. I never um, – well, if not for the missed field goal, I mean, that was at the one point where that would have cut it to uh, a, a, uh, what I believe six it points. It would have given – would have given Kentucky the lead. Excuse me. would have given yeah. Kentucky the lead. So um, that at that point I had real concern because if you're Tennessee, you start to second-guess yourself. Um, and – 
But other than that, I never really felt like it could slip away. I thought it could have slipped away at that point. You you didn't, or you still felt good even if that kick sailed good? I was kind of pretty confident that I thought Tennessee would have gone down and scored. Um, the only thing that maybe showed a little bit of concern, and this is in my takeaway, was the third quarter, for some reason, Tennessee lost the battle up front. And then the fourth quarter came. And they dominated the battle. I mean, they just completely controlled the line of scrimmage on both. Well, they controlled the line of scrimmage on defense the whole game. Ray Davis, how how many yards did he finish with? I mean, I know he averaged less than three yards a carry on the night. And that's a big accomplishment for Tennessee. But the offensive line really stepped it up in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, uh, helped with a healthy dose of Dylan Sampson, who was making plays on his own, to be fair. Yes. Uh, this, was the, this was kind of the Dylan Sampson game. And I want to get into that. Uh, should Dylan Sampson be the starter? And I want to tell you why I think that he shouldn't necessarily be the starter just because he continued to make fantastic plays tonight, and he did so. want to remind everyone, and we're going to go to the message board and get your thoughts. The Big Wrap is brought to you by our friends at Herald Group Security Solutions, making your children, your businesses safer too. Herald Group Security Solutions, highly trained individuals, not just security guards, highly trained individuals, oftentimes in the armed service that have to uh, go through incredible training to make sure your schools, especially are safe. Working with private schools now, we want to work with public schools. Go to your school administrator or business administrator after what has happened in our country once again and say, I want you to talk to Herald Group Security Solutions. Herald Group Security Solutions. I high-heartedly, uh, wholeheartedly give them a high, high endorsement. All right. So let's go to the message board for a moment before I tell you why Dylan Sam- Sampson should not be the starter next season just because he looked fantastic. And I'm going to give a, a major kudos out to uh, Travis, who was the first on the board, says, Joe Milton is still my dude. There you go, Travis. You've been there all the time. Uh, you've been steady with Joe Milton. So no doubt about it, Joe Milton deserves some kudos. I thought Tennessee's running game, especially early, opened up that pass to Nimrod and opened up some other things as well. Dante Thornton, Thornton actually contributed as well. That was good. Let's talk about Dylan Sampson for a second. I think Tennessee has something special with Dylan Sampson. I think it's Alvin Kamara-ish, but not quite as big, not quite as powerful, but really good at breaking tackles. I think that Tennessee is just fine letting him not be a starter, and here's why. Charlie Garner was never really the starter, but if he was filling it in the fourth quarter, Caleb, he got it. Travis Stevens was really never the starter over Travis Henry, but if he was filling it in the fourth quarter, he got it salute to the way Tennessee's coaches are handling the running back rotation right now. Cause Samson gets in there when I think a defense starts to hunker down and gets a more powerful back and he's able to make things happen. Sorry for being long winded Caleb, but I want to get your thoughts on Dylan Sampson. Yeah. Dylan Sampson played superb. You have to give him a lot of credit for what he did at the end of that game. I mean, there were, there was a shovel pass and two running plays. All three should have been stopped in the backfield and Dylan Sampson single. I'm sorry. Two of them should have been stopped in the backfield. Dylan Sampson turned them in the first downs. There was another play, and I think it was on a third down late that Dylan Sampson caught a pass where he should have been stopped behind the first down marker, and he made a first down out of it. Yes, and- I remember that. Yeah, I remember that one actually may have been the most impressive in my mind. They're all pretty close. But that play in particular, which is an extended running play, we've talked about that. 
he didn't have great blocking downfield. You know, nope, I mean, he didn't. That's a mini screen where he's supposed to have a couple of guys out front, and he didn't. Um, so that to me was the most impressive. Continue with your thoughts. I want to remind everybody to hit that subscribe button right now. Hit the subscribe button because we're with you each and every weekday at 10 a.m. And we also will have Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren on their respective ball reports. We also had that Sunday show with Fred White. So hit the subscribe button now. Hit the like button now because uh, you're enjoying the program, I think. This Tennessee played pretty good. Finish your thoughts on Samson. And if you hit the like and subscribe button and you come back, I'm just going to go ahead and say this now, Dave. You guys get to watch me drink coffee with mayonnaise this week because – Oh, that's right. What or- was your bet? I said Oregon and Utah would hit the over. I did not. And Oregon did their part. They scored 35, but Utah was held to six today. Caleb having some coffee with mayonnaise. All right. So let's let's get back to uh, Tennessee here for a second. It looks like you're changing headphones. Um, I apologize. I'm a coach fiddling with my headphones. That's fine. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Samson doesn't necessarily need to be the starter. Would you agree with that? Just because he had a a great, and I, I, I use this word, not in terms of a run, but a great run of plays in the game. He doesn't necessarily need to be the starter, though, right? Or does he? No, well, no, because again, Jalen Wright had a great run of plays in the first quarter. That touchdown run by Jalen Wright. Don't forget the cut he made and the tackles he broke on that. We're forgetting Jalen Wright at the beginning of the game. That was an incredible fifty-two yard run. Another bet I lost because I said Jalen Wright would not go for over fifty-seven point five yards. He went over fifty-seven point five yards on the first drive of the game, and so. I, I got I, I still say Jalen Wright, I think, is the more physical back. I think Jalen Wright's vision. Now, I'm just I'm spitballing here because I have no proof of this, but my guess is you you rely my guess is if you trust Jalen Wright's vision more than you trust Dylan Sampson's vision at this moment. And so that's why I think they go with because a lot of Dylan Sampson's plays were in the passing game and a lot of and some Joe Milton checkdowns, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to Joe Milton soon here in the near future because we got to give him a lot of credit. But before then, yeah, a lot of those were he got the ball on checkdowns and open space and made plays, whereas everything Jalen Wright did was design runs that he had to get from the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and he's looking a little Montario Hardesty to me as far as his intentions of putting the foot in the ground. And I thought you saw also a collection of what Tennessee has been doing over the past couple of weeks with Jalen Wright, and that is run hard, run hard. And he's mostly done that, and he he ran hard tonight, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't all about running through somebody. That Kentucky defense was prepared for that, and that was a very physical, in-your-face type of runner. So what happened tonight? Jalen felt that, and he was able to make a couple of people Missed by bouncing outside. I thought it was the perfect mix. I think we could start to have the conversation that Tennessee's three tailbacks can rival anyone in the nation. You probably watch more around the country than I do, but give me another that might compete with that. We'll go to the message board on that too. Is there anybody else that you see out there that has three running backs like Tennessee has? I mean, I'd have to think about it. Nobody I can really think of. I mean, particularly when a lot of the elite teams in college football this year, it's a very pass happy um season outside of the sec uh i would say i think ole miss goes three deep but i can't remember exactly all they go with but they ole miss has some legitimate threats in the running game but to be fair ole miss half their threat and jackson dart is is one of the three threats and he's their quarterback so yeah tennessee can go three deep this game was very much a uh, dare i say 2004 gerald Riggs, cedric houston type of 
running back tandem with Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson. Both when's the last time Dave two running backs went over 100 yards from scrimmage for Tennessee? Because I can't remember. No, I can't either. I can't either. And it set up Joe Milton. And let's give Joe Milton some love because you can't go this deep uh, into a show without the way he played. So tell me what you thought about Joe Milton on the message board. But my goodness, uh, Joe Milton was fantastic. You should hit that Nimrod pass every single time. But his accuracy as a whole, there was no dry spell uh, like we have seen in most of the other games this season. Kudos. Joe Milton, absolute big kudos to him. Your thoughts on his play? I thought it was incredible. And I'm going to tell you, the, and I'm going to have this up later tonight, the turning point in the game. The end of the first half, Josh Heupel would never, with if he had, remember he was playing to go into halftime. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And if he has Hendon Hooker, he's not playing to go into halftime, right? He's going all for the score at that point. He's got Joe Milton. He's playing for halftime, but he realizes it's third down and he's got to get a completion. Joe Milton rolls, rolls out that completion to Ramel Keaton was one. Of, I, I know it was a difficult catch, but Joe Milton threw it where only Ramel Keaton could catch that ball, but he still threw it catchable. That you know how you and I have said, uh, we talked about last week that there's a bare minimum of arm strength to play at certain levels like high school, like college. And I believe that's true 99% of the time. If you have that bare minimum arm strength, it doesn't matter if you have that much stronger of an arm. That's the 1% of the time that that arm gets that ball in there. A yes. just good arm does not get, I mean, a, an even really good arm does not get that ball in there. An absolute bazooka then Bazooka Joe, an absolute elite arm gets that ball in there. And it that, you're and right. That was an amazing pass. It was an incredible pass. It was an incredible pass. And I think if Josh Heifel had it to do over, and by the way, right after that, Joe Milton again with 13 seconds left, the roll rolls out, makes a perfect pass to get Tennessee in field goal range. Dave, I think if Josh Heifel had it to do over again, he would have played for the touchdown on that drive if he saw what Joe Milton was doing. And I I, I have to give him a ton of credit. And then also Milton running the ball. And I don't know if you noticed this in the, in the press, in, in the interviews on the sideline interviews throughout the game, apparently Josh Heupel is now telling us cause he's lied about injuries the whole time since he's been here. We know that we've accepted it. Sounds like Joe Milton had been hurt since the Virginia game this year. And he hadn't really been himself. And that's why they hadn't been able to turn on his legs the way they wanted to. And finally he's fresh and able to use his legs a lot more. I'll tell you what, why don't you do this? Why don't you get me some more information, okay? And I'll, I'll address some comments on the message board. If you can hear, um, either hear or read something about that, I'd like to hear a lot more about that as we're live. The Big Rap brought to you by Herald Group Security Solutions and also brought to you by our friends at the Hemp House. Tennessee wins, so that means the Big Orange Crunch, the Big Orange Crunch right here is 50% off on Sunday only. That's Sunday only. Now, you can use the promo code HOOK at Hemp House Chat with two T's, Hemp House Chat with two T's.com and get 10% on any product. But the Big Orange Crunch is 50% off on Sunday only, 50% off on Sunday only after a Tennessee win. The Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. So while Caleb gets a clarification on a Joe Milton injury we may have not been aware of, Elias says it feels like Milton has established some sort of confidence with his decisiveness when running and getting the ball out on time. 
his game has visibly changed. Certainly did, and even did in a loss uh, to uh, Alabama for a half, where I thought Joe Milton comparatively played probably his best game when you take the opponent into account. And tonight he topped that because he went from the opening kickoff to the very end of the game. So, Caleb, any word, anybody tweeting out news on a potential injury to Joe Milton that, that we haven't heard about? No, this was a mention in passing by Siren Live reporter. And remember, we do know that he was hurt in the South Carolina game. He had the brace on his leg in the South Carolina game. So we know for a fact he was hurt in the second half of Texas San Antonio and the South Carolina game. Every it, it sounds like he might have been hurt, might have been hurt before then. And that's why he hasn't been using his legs. Because if you watch, you know, you and I, Dave, had been screaming, Joe Milton, why are you not running with the ball? And then you see him run now, and he's not only running, but willingly lowering his shoulder into linebackers. You don't see little, that type of a little too much. I don't want yeah, to so see anybody lowering. I don't want to see any quarterback lowering shoulders. I like the slide. And did you notice too? Everybody gave him a hard time about the Ole Miss jumping out of bounds, and he had one other kind of similar play, I believe, on a two point conversion this year. But did you notice on the slide to keep the, the clock running how he got his knee down? with like six inches before it would have been out of bounds, how close that was. That field awareness thing, we haven't discussed much, and I think we all just assumed it would all be an issue, but it looked darn good on that play. Kudos to Joe Milton. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It did. I was going to say the same thing. That And for those who don't know, this was a third down that it, it was the final third down Tennessee converted that allowed them to run out the clock, largely thanks to Kentucky trying to stage an injury to stop the clock, which is the hilarious mess up of the year, honestly. But yeah, it was a perfectly timed slide. And it bailed him out, though, Dave, because let's not forget this. There was an option play a little bit earlier where he pitched it to Dylan Sampson and Sampson had to go out of bounds because he had nowhere to go. And if one second less was on the clock, the clock would have stopped at that moment. And that yep. was a pitch that if you're Joe Milton, you don't make in that situation. You don't make that pitch. You hold on to the ball. And I'm not going to try to start rumors, and we're not reporting this, but Gary saying heard he was battling a rib injury. I'll, I'll tell you that was the first I've heard of that. We'll certainly make some phone calls on Sunday and find out if there was a rib injury a place in play. And you can read about it on offthehooksports.com is your place. Play? place uh a lot of new viewers on because tennessee with a big win we love that hit that subscribe and like button uh hit the subscribe and like button now let's bring more people on and let's make sure you're a part of the fastest growing 
sports media entity that covers Tennessee and the SEC because that's us. Uh, the Vol Report with Cooper and Jacob Warren coming up on a Sunday. The Sunday show with Fred, with Fred White, will have that as well and weekly with you at 10 a.m. So get it set or uh, certainly leave us a review. If you're on your podcast platforms, we appreciate it. Uh, Caleb, if I would have told you Tennessee just had one sack and given you Devin uh, Leary's stat line, which was very, very impressive, perhaps you can uh, pull it up if you like, or I can. If I'd have said one sack and a stat line of 28 of 39 for 373 and two yards, I will go ahead. Two touchdowns. And I, two touchdowns. And two touch. Oh, what did I say? You said two yards. Oh, two touchdowns. <laughs> if you can play uh, 28 I, passes and have two yards, I'm, that'd be amazing. I've had too much energy drink, as you can tell tonight. All right. So, but if I told you that stat line and Tennessee just gets one sack, you would have said the score is Kentucky wins blank. I would have said Kentucky probably wins 41 to I would still say 33 to 35 for Tennessee because I thought Tennessee was going to get into the thirties in this game. Just I, I sawing what I saw last week. I had confidence in Joe Milton going into this game, but I, I would say Kentucky would have won and it would have been the sacks. I'm not shocked by the yardage. I'm shocked by the sacks um, because I thought Devin Leary was going to throw for some yards and largely because I thought Tennessee, I had faith in them stopping the run. I thought that Ray, Ray Davis wasn't going to do what he needed to do, and he couldn't. And so, but yeah, I was shocked by them only getting one sack and, and still being able to do what they did in this game. Travis and, said Dave's on that Big Orange Crunch. I might be later tonight to Big Orange Crunch, half off Hemp House Chat with 2Ts.com. No, I just made the problem of buying an extra energy drink tonight, so that's never Hey, Dave, smart. let's get everybody on the message board to, um, and we'll, 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 we'll accept this, by the way. They need to all write letters of apology. Right now, to Kamal Haddon. If you're mad about the secondary play tonight, you owe Kamal Haddon an apology because everybody in our chat room was trashing Kamal Haddon. Somebody, and Sharp Motor Company. By the way, Sharp Motor Company, we're looking for a car dealership to work with. Uh, so you can email me at davidoffthehooksports.com. Maybe we should talk. Said he agrees with you. They missed Haddon. They did. They missed Haddon. Yeah. Maybe, maybe with a couple more stops here and there, we're talking about a 14, 17 point win um, very easily. And a cornerback can do that. We just don't always see it. Yeah, because one of the underrated things cornerbacks do, Dave, and you know this, Devin Leary was deadly accurate. The most underrated thing they do, though, is knock receivers off their timing and off their routes. And so a lot of people might watch what happened. And I think you and I would, to Devin Leary's credit, he made some passes that once the ball's in the air, Dave, they're impossible to defend, right? Some of those passes were just on the money, weren't they? That were just no cornerback could have defended them. But Kamal Haddon would have knocked the receiver off the route. So the passes wouldn't have looked like they're so much on the money, right? Yes. No, I agree. Steve says, yes, they missed Haddon big time. And then Travis, who I have a love hate relationship with, uh, with said our defense shut Ray Davis down, but couldn't get to the quarterback somewhere. Kamal Haddon is face guarding still. Oh my gosh. That's because they play. That's because they play so much, man. You can't, Look back to the ball. I'm sorry. You can't look back to the ball. If you look back to the ball, you lose your man and you lose the ball. So that used to drive people crazy when they played a lot of man in the uh, late 90s and throughout the 2000s. If you play that much man, you can't turn around and play the ball. If you play zone, you're facing the quarterback. It's a totally different concept. But anyway, I still love you, Travis. Uh, They missed him, and I'm not sure why Tennessee didn't get 
more than one sack. That to me, and and have more pressure. Uh, they didn't have a lot of quarterback pressures. And I know that Kentucky kept a lot of people in the block at times. I think one time I'm, I may have seen seven guys stay in a block. Uh, I know they kept six a lot. And, and maybe it's as simple as that. But I still thought Tennessee man up just because they were better athletes would get more pressure than what they got. Yeah, I thought that was it. I, I feel like Tim Banks dialed back the pressure in this game, though. I think he had a lot of times the linebackers stay effectively and spy, not out of fear of Devin Leary running the ball. I think it was more they didn't want Ray Davis getting to the second level, which was we'll let you cross the line of scrimmage, but we don't want you getting more than two yards on a carry. And I think that was their focus in the game. I think largely it worked. I mean, let look, we're being a little unfair to Tennessee's defensive line. I, I they stopped Kentucky on a fourth and one on the second drive in the game. I mean, and, and that was a huge stop. I think it was obvious. I'm going to use my term that you said you liked. Uh, I think it was obvious they were all about gap integrity against the run game in particular. So when you are that, you're not supposed to play as free. You're not supposed to play, I use the term hair on fire, when you're just basically going after the quarterback and you don't care who else has the ball. But um, no, when you play high gap integrity against a good running team, against a good running back, you're worried about the cutbacks. And maybe that was part of it. Daniel says, I'll admit I was tough on Haddon mainly because his mouth didn't match his play. He fixed that. Now, this is a conversation I don't want to have for too long right now because it's college football and you should enjoy every single win. But I am going to have it for a second. Too many injuries and Greenwave corrected himself just below in the message board. Uh, He said too many injuries, key injuries this year and last year. Well, I don't talk about last year, but this year. With Haddon now, you are talking about a lot of key injuries. You know, Keenan Pilly never even got a chance to get started, really. Uh, we know Cooper Mays, and I believe that cost Tennessee the Florida game. You're at the point, and I've discussed this with other journalists who say, oh, well, all, every team has injuries. No, sometimes they're key. I think you're at the point where when we look at the season and evaluate it as a whole, Caleb, we're going to have to have the conversation that injuries – played a big part in their final record at least one game yeah now to be fair it did it absolutely did now i know people are going to say i'm crazy because of the hendon hooker injury but tennessee was very lucky with injuries last year nobody up until that south carolina game nobody got hurt the whole offensive line didn't miss a start did they dave all of last year for tennessee i don't think they did uh well they they missed one in the lsu game because of a quiet suspension but Okay, but that no real that that's one game, but there were no any there were no injuries the whole year, right? Total, right. and so this kind of happens. The luck ran out. I, I will say this: if Tennessee, and this is very possible, if they finish the year with given these injuries, if they finish the year with ten wins, this is a better coaching job than Josh Heupel did last year. I agree with that. I don't. I don't think it's close. Yeah, not even. I, I agree. Not even close. And because what he's doing right now with. A quarterback he doesn't fully trust, which was clear to d- in this game. Key injuries at center, at linebacker, having to change his philosophy based on the personnel to have this team. Guys, they're six and two right now, and I mean, I know, I know it's Tennessee, and you you wanted to be in a competing for a championship or a playoff, but look, when Heupel took over two years ago, if they if you had said they'd be six and two at that year, you'd be thrilled. Two years later, you wanted more, but. Given the injuries they've had to be six and two at where they are, 
I think more than anything, that shows that this program is really on more firm footing than people thought. I mean, I, I did not think they could survive a Cooper Mays, Keenan Peely, and Kamal. I, I did think Kamal had because I didn't think Kamal Hadden would be that good. But Cooper Mays. But in retrospect, good. we think he's good. That um, uh, did I, I? I thought Josh Heupel, who we've called too stubborn at times. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Don't forget to subscribe. New viewers, I know we're on board now. But we have said Josh Heupel is too stubborn. Well, look what he did tonight, and it worked out. Dante Thornton, they slid him to wide out instead where he of where he was projected to play, and that was slot. That's that's a pretty suave coaching move. Kudos, Josh Heupel. Kudos, Josh Heupel, and I have been hard on him all year, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a pause for Dante Thornton because you know what, he showed up in this game and. We got to give if we're going to be this hard on him as we have been all year. We got to give credit where he's due. He led the team in receiving, and 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 the first catch he had was a swing pass to the out, and he fought for about five extra yards from what he got, if I remember correctly. And so we have to give Dante Thornton a lot of credit for that. And again, maybe he was playing out of position, Dave, and maybe he wasn't fully healthy at the beginning of the year either. We've heard talk about Dante Thornton not being fully healthy this year too. So Arena says, "Shout out Joe M F Milton," which M F means my favorite, right? Caleb, uh, no, my, favorite, <laughs> my favorite Milton. By the is, way, is no what one would, Arena was saying. Just never say that. If you're going to say that about quarterbacks, never say that about Zach Wilson because MF may be literal for him. But if y'all know the story, I don't want to hear your weird out of the. It just comes out of left field. What's that? Zach story Wilson's about? in the middle aged women. Oh, oh, good for him. So am yeah, I. Just my wife. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> Zach Wilson's 24 and into 50 year olds. It's kind of funny. Yeah, uh, we're we're props. about to, we're about to get the past of being uh, past middle age. So here in like five years, will you say I'm into elderly women like my wife? All right, so um, <laughs> your wife's gonna women, kill you if she sees this. <laughs> what women are you in uh, into? And your thoughts on the Vols and uh, Tennessee winning? I thought a very clutch game against Kentucky. You go up there and dominate. Maybe not the forty-five-three fashion we saw a lot of times, but. Um, we, we saw a Tennessee team that I thought controlled uh, for the most part the game. And and don't forget this. I believe there is such a thing as an Alabama after effect, especially an emotional loss. I'll just tell you, when I interviewed Cooper Mays on Sunday, and I didn't want to say this through the week because I didn't want to put any more pressure on the young man. I felt like he was more down than I'd have ever interviewed him. And it was just me reading that. I think this team deserves an awful lot of credit for their bounce back ability. We can talk about the road woes, but look at how they bounce back uh, in the past year against losses to Florida, Alabama this year, last year, it was Georgia and South Carolina. They, they bounce back like nobody's business. This is a lovable group. Even if they end up finishing eight and four, which they're not going to. Yes, and I want to give some breaking news, Dave, because you have, you were questioning the pass rush and how they only got one sack. So, for the second week in a row, Josh Hyper responded this way. He was asked about it, and he's paused, and then he said, next question. Many people in inner circles think that Tennessee has been held way more than they should have this year on the defensive line. And I haven't gone back and looked at the tape. I'll go back and watch it myself. I didn't notice any blatantly blatant holds that are missed, Dave. You might have, but... I actually didn't want to bring it up because I like to go back and look too. I thought there were a couple of, there were at least four times I thought I saw Kentucky offensive linemen with their arms extended 
outside of your chest area. Now, I mean, you you hold on every play. You grab with your fingers and your hands. But it's when you extend your arms, and if you're watching on YouTube, perhaps you can, you can see me. But when you reach outside of your frame, I saw a couple of those out of the corner of my eyes. I was trying to watch the defense. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised when you go back and you do your review if you don't find a half dozen calls, at least I'm going to say four. I'll be I'll put the over under at four and a half. If if you go back and watch it and you don't see that there are, and I I will too, that there's over four and a half uh, potential holding calls in that game. Yeah. Okay. I'll put that. I'll put it on that because I I might I might agree with you. Um, I've seen a lot. I haven't watched every. Pl- I haven't looked at the defensive line as I typically do. I, I don't know how you do it. I actually look downfield more than I look at the front uh for when i'm watching on defense um but i could actually go back and look and see so i haven't seen what everybody else is calling this year but this is a really really like this has been a complaint from tennessee fans all year i do know that and for hypo to say that a second straight week at a press conference is kind of revealing although again at the end of the day he's six and two and dave on a positive at a bare minimum tennessee is finishing eight and four this year that we know that now because we're beating uconn and vanderbilt yes yeah, and so at the very least, eight and four. The very least, eight and four. Nine and three is a possibility. Ten and two is kind of in the ether, but still, still outside shot. And that's exactly what Tennessee finished last year. And so, I mean, I, I think that you. This was one of the wins that you were worried about. It. Remember, we when, didn't we both say this was Tennessee's most dangerous game at the beginning of the year? Uh, yeah, I definitely thought so after the Kentucky game. I'm yeah. sorry, after and, the Alabama game, I thought playing Kentucky was the most dangerous game. Yeah, exactly. I did too, particularly with Kentucky coming off a bye in the game in Lexington. Tennessee pulling off this win is huge. Can they do it again in two weeks again at Missouri? I don't know. Can they do it at home against Georgia? I don't know. I, you would think they'd have to be able to do it. You think they should be able to do it against Missouri, but you never know. But I will say that this is a very, very different this is not. This is a very different Tennessee team than the one we saw two weeks ago. No, I, and I, you know, I think it started in Tuscaloosa, even though that was a, a tough, tough loss to swallow. Okay, one thing that this team's got to get better at. I'm gonna let you. Do you want to fill in the blank first, or do you want me to? Well, uh, not making drive killing mistakes like taking sacks and having certain holding and false start penalties when you're moving the ball. Maybe we're saying the same thing. Red zone scoring that, I mean, to to settle for field goals and to not let your defense play free and attack the quarterback. That's the way this program is set up. You've got to get seven. You got to stop getting three. That's got to end. I agree. I think so. Let's, let's take into account though. One of those was a 50 yard field goal. And I said, field goal kicking was a defense was a big difference. Charles Campbell hit a 50 yarder and Kentucky couldn't hit their 50 yarder. And that's why Tennessee was able to maintain control throughout the game. But I don't consider that a red zone scoring. I just consider that score, you know, moving the ball when you get past the 50. And then the other one was at the end of the first half. That was just Josh Heupel. Remember, Josh Heupel was playing to go into halftime. And then Joe Milton shocked him by getting a couple of first downs. And he's like, oh, I could try to play for a field goal. I think if Josh Heupel could have that to do over again, he's playing for a touchdown. Well, maybe. Um, and I know that Caleb Giroux is going to write about Tennessee's trust in Joe Milton. Does it? Do you think it grows after this game as well as he played? 
I do, but I think it also grew after the Virginia game and then the Austin P game happened. And remember, the Austin P game was the catalyst for a what a month long lack of faith in Joe Milton, two month long fat lack of faith in Joe Milton. And so now you got another game like that because you got UConn coming up. And so that was, you know, how are they going to respond with that? I'll say that it's funny you brought up the Alabama game and a loss. I, I, I mentioned him in the week, Dave, but we got to start talking like Joe Milton, Jonathan Crompton comparisons. You, We all talked the Georgia game was a Jonathan Crompton renaissance, but it actually wasn't. Wasn't it the second half of the Auburn game the week before that they lost where the renaissance happened? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I was at that game, but I don't remember. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. One of the things I would have argued with you about the, the renaissance is that Joe Milton doesn't have the natural ability to throw on the run, which I think had been said that he hadn't thrown one touchdown pass while on the run. Wasn't that a stat like two weeks ago? Well, he didn't throw one on the run tonight, but he threw three balls on the run that were completed and that were nice. So that's what Jonathan did is they rolled him out a lot and he just read one side of the field. Maybe there is a very big significance between the two because Joe Milton showed me an ability that I hadn't seen before tonight. Same with me. And I feel like they had never actually given him that chance to do it. Also, quarterback sneaks under center. Where are they? They had one fourth down run where Joe or third down run, which they called it from the shotgun. And then they had Joe Milton get under center to do a handoff on a third and one later. They got a first down anyway because of an offside penalty. Dave, why are quarterback sneaks not a thing in football anymore? It drives me crazy. Hey, let me say this. When a former ball legend uh, who happens to be one of the best coaches in East Tennessee weighs in on your chat, we're going to go to him first. Uh, Spencer Riley uh, says, uh, quite simply, cut out penalties. So, Spence, thanks for watching, man. We look forward to talking to you each and every Monday as Spence will break it down. So, as you might imagine, uh, Coach uh, says cut out penalties. Uh, Tennessee with nine penalties for 70 yards. You're right. I mean, we're talking about one or two more sacks, and maybe this is a lopsided score. But you cut out those penalties, and maybe it's a lopsided score as well. So, we certainly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Aaron Beasley got one of those penalties, and it was the personal foul after the field goal that was missed. But that was smart because it made Tennessee, they just milked more clock running the ball and moving the ball. I mean, real, real smart move by Aaron Beasley if you think about it. <laughs> Carol Group, security solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique missions, specific mitigation techniques, making your children safer at school or your workers safer at work. Carol Group, security solutions, highly trained security individuals. We have heard about all of the terrible tragedies that have happened. That's why you've got to reach out to Herald Group Security Solutions. These individuals are oftentimes former service members, and they're highly trained. Uh, and I'm telling you what, they'll make your people safer. What about that? We're working in private schools now. I want to go to public schools as well. So the Big Orange Crunch, by the way, is 50% off. If you want to go to Hemp House Chat with 2Ts.com, 50% off Sunday after a win or 10% off uh, either time. So uh, Tennessee with UConn, this isn't a bye week but it kind of is better than because you go through the regular uh, game week preparation. You'll probably just have to play a half. So I would expect Tennessee to play really well against uh, UConn and, um, and the Vols should be riding a a high for a couple of weeks. Now you would think. I would expect, but then I just remember the Austin P game when they, you thought they were riding high after blowing out Virginia and Florida the next week. And they just, the Austin P game again, set in motion, uh, issues going down the line now they know more about their team now than they did then 
So I would assume they're going to play well against UConn too. But that Missouri game is 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 going to creep up. And I think, you know, you wonder if they'll look at it. Look, they're going to beat UConn. I'm saying all this, not saying that they're going to struggle with you. That they're yeah, where to... are you going here? Are you, but, are you picking the Huskies? I am not. What I am saying is it could be one of those it could be one of those ugly affairs that Tennessee wins by like a 30 to 13 again. And we're having a conversation next week. Like, Oh wow. There's some real problems with Tennessee right now. And I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this team's coming together. And I think a big part of that's Joe Milton's more comfortable. Um, And it took a while. It did. But perhaps if he is like Nico and he comes into a program, he's supposed to take over and he takes over as a freshman, he gets comfortable as a freshman and he's a really good junior or senior. Well, no, that probably would have happened in Michigan. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Be sure and uh, check us out. We'll have game coverage coming up by Jimmy Himes and more off the hooksports.com. Caleb has got a ton of stories, and I write about how uh, Tennessee's two biggest strengths heading into the game ultimately secured the game for the balls. For Caleb, I'm Dave, off the hooksports.com. The big rap brought to you by Harold Group. Security Solutions.